Welcome to Soul and Soul. I'm Sangmin. And I'm Jesse. And today we're going to talk about something really, really crazy. Yeah, this one is like, uh, you know, sometimes I hesitate to like use that like verbiage and be like, oh yeah, this is like batshit crazy. But like, we're actually talking about an event that involves quite a few mentally ill people, right? Um, so we are going to talk about like this dude from Indiana. Oh, let's see if you guys can guess it before I say it. You know? <laughs> All right. So white dude from Indiana in the 60s, very into pro-integration and social justice issues, right? Convinces a lot of social social justice warriors that he is the way, right? They follow him. They follow him to California. Then they follow him to Guyana. And then literally everyone dies. Do you know who I'm talking about? Because it's <laughs> fucking Jim Jones. Um, like, uh, there are so many people from Indiana I don't want to claim. But he's like at the mm. top of the list. Um, mm. Maybe only second to Michael Jackson. Oh, he's also from Indiana. We don't talk about it. He's literally from a place that people in Indiana don't talk about existing. Um, Gary, Aww. Indiana. But, but that's, a, that's a whole different story. Um, because, you know, one monster at a time. I do not have the capacity <laughs> to do both today, but one monster at a time. Right. Um, yeah, so I'm going to tell you guys the story of Jonestown, which I'm sure that you have an inkling of, even if you don't really necessarily know the details. Maybe you've heard that famous famous phrase don't drink the kool-aid you know which means like don't buy into popular thought um which comes from jonestown because you know they all end up not all of them quite a few of them end up dying with poison but no no kool-aid um slander shall be present here they didn't actually use kool-aid even though that's the phrase, they use something that's very similar to Kool-Aid. I forget what it is, like a grape aid or something like that. It's like yeah. knockoff Kool-Aid, but, you know, Kool-Aid had no part to this, even though that's where the phrase comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, so I figured I'd start off by telling you guys a little about Jim Jones himself. Um, I'm not going to focus too much on him because, like, fuck him. Um, but also because, like, I feel like lots of times when we're thinking about people who commit, like, mass murder or or serial killers or things like that we focus a lot on the person doing it instead of like Mm. who they did it to so i'm going to tell you enough about jim jones for you to contextualize the situation um but like there's been so many documentaries and books and podcasts and literally any other medium that you could think of that's been written about jim jones um Mm. so you know i as as little time as i can possibly spend on this white man i will I'll tell you a little bit about him. So he's like born in 1931 in a small town um, in Indiana. That's about probably like an hour, 45 minutes for me right now. Um, Maybe a a little bit less, um, but it's closer to the border with Ohio and central Indiana for reference. Okay. Um, So he's born to two like semi, I would, I mean, nothing I could find showed me that his parents were weird or strange or that he had like some kind of ridiculously um traumatic upbringing 
Um, not at all. But what I will say, what I found out about his mom, um, she worked in a factory. Um, they were poor. They were considered the fringes of society. Um, and she was like a union activist. So there's like a, a few of like, I feel like he took some skill sets from his mom's life for his life as a cult leader in a lot of ways. Um, he like really very much liked being on the fringe of society, fringes of society. Um, in fact, like that's part of the reason why he ended up becoming a minister at, at a Pentecostal church, because he felt like that church was the most isolated church. It was the most like ostracized from mainstream Christianity. Um, like he actually liked that idea, right? That yes, it was not so interesting, right? Yeah. Um, is it also the same reason for why he was like attracted to like black people and like being pro integration, right? But like he felt a similar, like, I, yeah, I don't know, I, yeah, I don't know. I, don't know. Um, he, but- I think in the documentary that I watched, he was um, they were talking about how he identified more with them. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, why? <laughs> Side note to all black people everywhere: this is why you gotta stop inviting bitches to the cookout. Just saying, <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck, right? Because like, realistically, we all know in 2021, and maybe back then they didn't have the vocabulary for it, but we all know, no matter what that white man has been through, he is not living a similar experience to black people, no matter how much he feels, right? Like no matter how much he feels, no matter how impoverished he is, right? He is not living a similar life to black people. So red flag, you know, (laughs) red flag. Huge red flag. You know, there are multiple red flags throughout this scenario, but I will put this in as a caveat. And I will say this like throughout this podcast, um, that like anyone can end up being a cult member victim, you know, like anyone could, but there, that's not to say that there are not red flags, but I, I want to say that like, to me, the story of Jonestown and how all of these people got like bamboozled into believing this man in the 1960s who was preaching about racial equality and how much he thought black people deserved better that I can understand right I think that in 2021 if a great white messiah popped up he would convince a lot of uh, black people and other people as well if he was going yay racial equality Mm. yeah when I was watching the documentary I I was kind of feeling like the circumstantial what am I trying to say but like the circumstances were I feel like similar like there is some kind of fear going on at this time like we have the pandemic we have people dying (laughs) in so many ways yeah and And I feel like back then too like nuclear war well think about it Mm -hmm. this way we like obviously I'm not gonna call these people like jim jones like i don't think that the people that i'm about to list are jim jones but like there are quite a few like white people or like even a few like i don't know he's definitely still white i don't know why i even go with that there's like definitely quite a few white people in the activist world who absolutely are doing the same shit right now right who are posting actually no not even you don't even have to be in the activist world like you just can you just need to be not a trump supporter to be guilty of this right now right like 
pretty much all like all I don't know about you, but I've just been bombarded with white people pretending that they care on Instagram about the Derek Chauvin trial about, you know about like not even in my DMs just like all of the fucking stories and all of the posts um and I'm just like yo y'all don't give a fuck like let's let's be really real about this like you don't care right your life does not stop it does not whatever but so many of you like Jim Jones are like let me let me pretend that I have something in sim- similar with black people. Um, let me pretend that I am pro racial integration because you know, yes, he's on the outskirts in a, a place like Indiana, but when he moves to California in the late in the early seventies, late sixties, like he's fitting right in, and what he's mm-hmm. preaching, he's preaching to the choir. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, especially when he ends up in San Francisco. So, and I'm jumping the gun a little bit about where he's going, but like realistically, I don't think that Jim Jones and his cult like following is any different than like, I don't know, a Sean King, right? Sean King who is literally pretending to be black and is not fucking black, right? That Sean King. And even though every single time that it comes out that he steals from uh, black people, that he that the mothers of some of the victims of child uh, police brutality are not down with him or any of the uh, umpteen. Like there's so many Sean King like articles that have come out where people are like, he's shady as shit. Right. Mm. But every single time something pops off in the social activist world, he's like the first person with a, a think piece out or a first person with a tweet out. And he ends up, his words end up on like the shade room where here's it. his words are the words that are taken as gospel. Like he's like an authority figure on this kind of shit. And I'm like, mm, that's real Jim Jones in this time period. Because, you know, we don't get Jim Jones cult leader for a bit. So while he's in Indianapolis, like, that's that's real real jim jones-esque right um but like let's get back to this like demented fuck's life so (laughs) um he graduates actually from butler university after spending like two years at iu which if you're from indiana you're like fuck man so he goes to two of the most famous uh, uh universities in indiana so butler university is pretty fucking prestigious actually one of the i would say the only more Probably the 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 college that is more prestigious than Butler would be like Notre Dame. But after that, Aww. this is it, right? So he graduates from there. Um, it takes him ten years though, so don't don't congratulate him. Oh. <laughs> takes him ten years to get that four year degree. Um, he becomes uh like like I said, he becomes a Pentecostal minister. He marries a woman named Marceline. Um. But what's interesting about his, like, minister life, I feel like, is that he is fucking wild, even saying it. So he convinces people that he can tell the future and that he could heal the sick. (laughs) Right? So he's doing, like, literal faith healings on people, right? And obviously they're stage people and the people that he does the faith healings are, are in on it. But he manages to convince a shit ton of people that he is literally healing the sick. And mm-hmm. telling he can tell the future, right? Which there are Korean um, pastors who claim the same. Well, 
Pentecostal, that's not outside of the realm of possibility with Pentecostals, I think, right? Like, I, mm. I think in that church, like, if he went to a Methodist church, they would have been like, what the fuck, dude? But going mm. to a Pentecostal church and saying that, I, I think he could probably, you remember, that's the church that has people speaking tongues during the actual service. That sounds like Korean churches, yeah. Yeah, so I'm just like, this, I think that could fly in that particular church, to be honest. Mm. Mm. Um, I also think specifically because he was trying to how sorry because he was trying to make his congregation integrated that mm-hmm. like that faith healing and fortune telling shit would have played really big with the black community mm. um so it's you know he he works under a few people before he starts his own church um mm-hmm. and it's called the wings of deliverance again with the red flags but all right <laughs> look i don't like i don't even know if people check their church's names because i feel like i've been, i've like people have told me some of their church names i was like what what <laughs> but this is definitely one where i'm like what like um we attended a church that was called like bountiful harvest one time and i was like uh-huh. what they harvesting <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> are we the harvest no mm, i don't like that so i really don't know if people check the names of their churches but y'all should because yeah. red flag <laughs> i don't even know what he means by that wings of deliverance i just know that whenever someone says deliverance i feel like that is like end time shit like every time I hear the oh. word deliverance, I'm like, Mm-mm, I don't like that. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Um, but Wings of Deliverance is what eventually becomes like the People's Temple, so like mm-hmm. the cult name. Um, so it is super, super social activist driven, right? So they have like rehab centers, they have senior citizens homes, they have soup kitchens, they house the homeless, they have daycare, they have medical facilities, right? So it is, if you're if you're from Indianapolis or anywhere in the Midwest and you're thinking about like fucking 1950s, 1960s Indianapolis and thinking of all these things existing, you understand the draw like immediately, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it is very much less focused, though, on the actual Bible, right? But it's claiming to do all of the, or actually, I shouldn't even say claiming, is doing all of these really good things for the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> I think my favorite little fact about Jim Jones' time in uh, Indianapolis is that he served as the director of the Indianapolis Human Rights Commission. And if that doesn't tell you all you need to know about Indiana, I don't know what the fuck would. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what? Literal, like, infamous mass murderer on the Human Rights Commission. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there are little boards and, like, uh, commissions and committees don't get much better. They currently have one that's called Keep Indianapolis Beautiful. And at first it was... (laughs) Listen, first it was about like, you know, making sure that there were plants and da 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 da. But yeah. then there's then there's this little subcommittee that is about like making sure that there are no homeless people on the streets of downtown Indianapolis. So again, the committee it is peak Indianapolis for Jim Jones to be on the Indianapolis Human Rights Commission. Mm-hmm. You know, I see. I'm just saying. <laughs> like mm. in fact it might have been more liberal when he was on it than it is now. All right. Mm. All right. So 
let's talk a little bit about I don't know the rainbow colored elephant in the room. Oh God. Uh, so Jim Jones was like very. Ugh. Okay, so Pac already know. I this, I don't know how to phrase this, but Pac already knows how I feel about white people adopting people of color. I don't like it. 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 Um, it is very rare that I have like I don't know anecdotally anecdotally know known people where that has gone well. I've seen it. I've seen it. And like I don't know in true crime and real life. Like it. I don't know any. I don't know any instances where I've met heard of seen whatever you want where this went well like do you like when i'm thinking of this sandra bullock movie but i also feel some type of way about how the white couple rescues a oh. black mm-hmm. child. are you talking about the blind side because that was some fucked yeah, up oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah that one yep. was fucked up mm-hmm. <laughs> like, i definitely don't like that one um but I'm thinking about like lots of different instances where this just does not end up well. Um, in particular, I'm thinking about the story about those two lesbians that murdered their entire family and killed themselves by driving oh, off, yeah. you know, driving off a cliff with their children involved, mm-hmm. but made sure that their dogs were in daycare. The what? <laughs> Yeah, so the dogs they took to a doggy daycare and made sure that they were taken care of. They're black children. They drew drove off a cliff with them. What the? Yeah. So I'm really, like, not a fan of that. Because, like, there's, there's the obvious, like, um, like, I feel like you need to either be very committed or be very black to know how to do black hair. Yeah. I'm just going to put it out there. So there's that. I really am so... You can always tell when a black person has been adopted by white people because their hair just looks fucking wild. Like, I'm, I'm, it's a thing. Like, you can always tell. I'm just like, what is... Why? Why? YouTube exists, bitch. Why? <laughs> like, what? Put that girl's hair in a ponytail. What? Like, every time. Every time. I'm very... I'm always very... I'm heated. Whenever I see it. <laughs> But Uh, beyond the like purely aesthetic, like yo, fix that baby's head. There's also just like the like the cultural disconnect that that mm. child that child is always othered, Mm. always, always, always. And it's like I hate the idea that like people are like, oh, so so we adopted this black child because black people wouldn't do it or because like or if you're talking about even asian people like because they couldn't be taken care of care of by their minority family and i as a white couple had to come in and swoop Mm. in and and save the day i hate that shit Mm -hmm. um because i don't know about from your culture but from my culture's perspective black people adopt all the fucking time and i don't mean legally yes we do adopt legally all the fucking time but we also just like we're we take in people you know without without the paperwork you know like before my brother was legally adopted he stayed with us for eight years you know what i mean like that's that is that's common like we just take in the children that need help and we don't necessarily put a paper 
with it. And we should, right? Just like I think that all queer people should get that paperwork in order just to legally protect yourself. But like, we don't. So I, I don't like the idea that like, I've always heard that one, that pushback. Well, white people do it because no one else will. And it's like, no, 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 (laughs) no. It's also really hard for like brown people to go through the adoption channel and actually get like paired up with a child. Like we go through so many more like hoops. Hmm. Um, I say all this to say that like, yes, future cult leader Jim Jones got to adopt four fucking kids right like four fucking kids so he adopts um this black child and he becomes jim jones jr that dude is like the first um like the first black child adopted by a white couple in indiana crazy yeah i feel sorry for him because that's not a title i would want besides the fact that his dad is a you know a mass murderer it's like i wouldn't want to be the first black child adopted by white people especially when it was for this purpose he also adopts a native american girl named suzanne um and then he adopts two korean uh children lou and stephanie Mm. um and so he there's like it's weird because this is happening around like 1950, so you know what's also happening around this time is like the Korean War. Mm-hmm. Um, so he and his followers adopt children from Korea because they're trying to save y'all from a war torn, oh, a war torn country. Okay. <laughs> hmm. And he thinks that the South Korea is fantastic because you guys are a shining example of socialism that North Korea is trying to attain. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> mhm. Um so, you know, love to see it, right? Just yeah. like the white saviorism, love to see it cuz I guarantee you um given how I'm not going to spoil this yet, but given what I know happened to quite a few of these fucking children, aka not that many of them actually end up surviving, um mm-hmm. they would have been better off wherever the fuck he got them from. Mm. Right? Um, they do have a bi- biological child. Um, his name is Steven. And he, his middle name is Gandhi. Because, you know, why not culturally appropriate <laughs> from everyone? <laughs> I thought he was supposed to be Christian. Yeah, why not culturally appropriate from everyone? <laughs> you know. Um, they also adopt a white kid. So I should put that out there. Um Tim, but I don't know if you could say adopt more like starts the pattern of stealing children from members of the temple. No, I'm I'm dead ass serious. So these are his fam these are the family, core family members that they have before they go to California. But I will add in other children later, um, that were also just like, you know, stolen, basically, right? So um yeah, weird. So that's what their life is like in Indianapolis. Um, eventually, they relocate to Northern California in the Redwood area because um, he felt like his politics weren't welcome in Indiana. Um, which, you know, I want to say good for Indiana, but his politics at the time are racial integration. So fuck Indiana. 
(laughs) So his like very integrated congregation was not welcome or he felt wasn't welcome in Indiana. He was also afraid of like the nuclear holocaust. And there was like an article that got put out in some like magazine, maybe like Life or Natural National Geographic, something like that. Um that said that Redwood Valley was supposed to be one of the best places to survive a nuclear fallout. Mm. Um, ooh, sorry. Pause. I do want to go back because I forgot like one really pertinent information about the Rainbow family. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like it's actually pretty obvious based on what I've said, but just to make it explicitly clear, Jim Jones did that just so he could look good. Right? He did not actually care about the war in Korea. He did not care about black people. Um, and I know this because his son, Stephen, right, the the white son, their their only biological son, talks about it. So like when they adopted Jim Jones Jr., the black kid, um, he specifically would tell people his adopted black son. He would if someone corrected him and was like his adopted son um, or his son, he would always change it to his adopted black son. And he made it a big deal. It was a big Mm. like, yeah, like he made it like a a big charade of adopting this black boy. Mm. Um, So it wasn't necessarily he was adopting this kid to help him out. He was absolutely adopting this kid because he was black and because that would make Jim Jones the first white man to adopt a black child in indiana so um that's again a little bit why it reminds me of those lesbians in particular because like they really only got those children so that they would look good for their liberal friends right like that they were doing the work even though they were like beating abusing and ended up murdering these children right and so like the parallels there again i'm not a fan of I'm a fan of interracial do- adopting when it goes any other way besides white adopting POC. Mm-hmm. Literally, literally or, or or POC adopting white. If mm-hmm. white people are not involved, I'm a fan of interracial adopting. Yes. Mm-hmm. Less so, though, than, you know, intraracially. But it'll work. Um, so we're in California. He's there for, I don't know. I don't know how real the nuclear holocaust fear actually was it seems kind of like no but like i i think he was on drugs too much and it really got to him i don't think that he was in he was on drugs in indianapolis yet oh okay so he was just a straight up psycho (laughs) i i do feel like he's like i mean i'm not to say that he 100% 100% wasn't on drugs. I know that he wasn't addicted to drugs like he was later in his life. Uh, right. Mm. And to, like that happened in California. Mm. Um, because there was like this really cool, not cool, but this is this really interesting quote from someone that I just heard um, that like basically studied Jonestown and was just mm-hmm. like, if, if the People's Temple had just like ended in 1974. Mm-hmm. Um, we would be talking about how progressive and how great of an institution and a group it was. Mm. So up until that point, like, I don't really think that all the crazy shit was happening regularly. It might have been happening because I don't think anyone just starts cold turkey. But yeah. like, it wasn't, it ramped up, you know, it didn't mm. just, it wasn't there automatically. It wasn't there from the beginning. Mm. Um, and that is why he ends up being able to convince 150 people to go from Indiana to California, most of these people being black 
right? Because the majority of the people's temples uh, was black. It was like 75% black. Um, which is, yeah, it's, it's wild, right? It's one of the worst mass murders of black people besides, you know, fucking slavery um, in recent memory. So it wasn't even like rainbow family as he wanted. It was mostly black people. No, his rainbow family was his immediate family, not the people's family. Oh, no, I was talking about it more like general terms. You know how he was like, oh, pro-integration or whatever. So yeah. when I was watching the documentary, it seemed like he wanted like half-half. Yeah. Um but I guess not. No. And the and I'll get a little bit more into the racial demographics later cuz they are interesting to look at and it is interesting especially given how power was disseminated in the people's temple. But okay, so this is where I feel like things really just like go sideways go south whatever you want to call it so in californians when he decides that he wants people to start calling him the prophet again red fucking flag (laughs) like if you're ever in church right and then all of a sudden your pastor is like call me the prophet leave that church like leave that church right now (laughs) it's like Mm -mm. especially if you're in a christian church and all of a sudden You know, in a religion where you're not supposed to believe in false prophets, someone starts calling them a prophet. Go go ahead and exit stage right, right? Um, So, I feel like in California, in particular, when they moved to San Fran in 1971, is where like Jim Jones, the cult leader, was born. Um, Obviously, he was charismatic and he had people drawn to him before, but like you know the move from like charismatic preacher minister con man to like full-blown cult leader happens in california um and really like his like charisma and like the way that he carried himself and his political beliefs really led into like this kind of like perfect storm um for him and for him to like kind of rise in power um in addition to the fact that he was still faith healing. So like he really was, he would have stood out from other social activist preachers at the time because he was probably one of the only few doing the faith healing. Um, and I definitely think that that was a draw again for black people. Like, I don't know. I have a, like in my notes, I just have a bunch of questions under this like bullet point because I'm like, are black people more susceptible to the idea of faith healing? Um, or is it like a poor people thing, a disenfranchised thing, wanting just like some kind of magical healing? Um, is it even more appealing when it comes from like a white godlike figure, like someone calling himself the prophet? Like, what is it about what Jim Jones offer drew so many black people in and it's something that i don't think i'll ever be able to really answer but it's something i've been grappling with while i've been doing this research because i'm like there there's there's some definite like internalized anti-blackness here that i don't Mm -hmm. think that these people again would have had the vocabulary for or even would have maybe wrapped their head around thinking because you know like at the same time you've got okay to me jim jones is operating 
around the same time as like all the other like black figures that we know and associate with the civil rights movement Mm. right like Huey Newton um, Martin Luther King like Malcolm X like the Black Panther he's operating at the same exact time he's he's doing a lot of the same things that the Black Panthers did right? right So to me, I'm like, so why, what, what is it about Jim Jones that had these black people that were literally in the same area as some of these people, right? In San Francisco and making moves down to LA and back, back and forth. You were literally in the same area as the Black Panthers. What made you attracted to Jim Jones versus like these guys? Like, what is it about that white Messiah figure that drew you in versus like other black people? fighting for you Mm. um and i don't know if i'll ever have the answer and i don't even know if it's the right question but it is something that's been like sticking with me yeah um and i don't know if it was maybe because there's also the added thing that like jim jones had probably more political power than these other organizations Mm. um just by virtue of him being white so Mm him being white and him having such like a cult like following right because basically jim jones could be like or the mayor could call jim jones and be like hey i need like 400 people for this rally downtown can you make it happen and 400 members of the people's temple would show up at that rally and so you know like he could rapidly organize grassroots efforts like none other right Hmm. um and it was like people that were palatable to the people that were in charge right Mm. because the the cult leadership even though he's like pro-integration this pro-integration that you can bet your ass that the leadership was all lily white and they they said that in um the documentary yeah right so like they're all the leadership was white people right so white men white women um white people could join the the cult far later than a black member and rise in the ranks far faster and Mm -hmm. like they had more sway over jim jones what's interesting is in like an interview that i saw his son steven do he talks about how racist Jim Jones is. Um, and he mentions this, uh, like the idea that like black people could not rise in the ranks. He also talk, he also talks about like how Jim Jones hypersexualized everything, but also absolutely hypersexualized black people. So he didn't want black women around him and in his inner circle because he did not want to be compared to a black man when they were having sex because he, you know, he had sex with all of the women in his inner circle. But so he didn't want a a black woman there because he didn't want her in her head comparing him to a black man. Wow. Yeah. And, and like for his son to know that is also wow. Yeah. Like the idea that, they had a conversation where his dad confessed that to him. What the fuck? You know what I mean? Like, what the ever-loving fuck? And it's like, and this is also why I'm just like, no to interracial adoptions. Because, like, if the white son knows this, did the black son also know this? Did the Asian Probably people know not. this? Probably I, not. I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I wouldn't put it past him. 
You're one of the good blacks, Jim Jones Jr. You're not like that. I don't put it past him to have to brainwash his black son like that too. Like, because I'm pretty. I don't know. Actually, I would have to look to see who his his black son married. Um, but I'm pretty sure it was a white woman. Um, so there's like lots of different things that are like happening in terms of that inner circle that are wild. I'm going to say a couple names for you guys that I want you to remember because I'm, I'm going to come back to this inner circle. Um, because the inner circle is like fucking wild. So there's Carolyn Layton, um, Annie Moore, uh, Maria Katsaris, and then technically his wife is in this inner circle at this point while they're still in California. Um, she was a big part of the movement while they were in Indiana and, and the beginnings of California, maybe even towards the end a little bit. Um, but she is slowly getting phased out because he has he's bringing in these mistresses, right? And mm-hmm. she has to like give up the idea that they're going to be monogamous. Right. Because he's basically like, I'm not about to do that. Like, so of the three women that I just mentioned, he is having sex with all three. Mm. Right. Um, And Carolyn Layton is actually like the. I would say his like ride or die Um, emphasis on die. And (laughs) literally, because when I get when I tell you all about her later, like, what the fuck? Um, And, you know, again. These are all white women, and this sounds a lot like white feminism. Um, I'm just saying, like, a bunch of white women ruling over black people, deciding what's best for them, and then eventually, like, you know, making the decision with Jim Jones to murder everyone. Um, That sounds a lot like white feminism to me. Like, the idea that y'all know what's best for everyone else just because Mm. you happen to be a woman. (laughs) Like, all right (laughs) all right so while they're in california i will say that i would think like a couple of things start to pop off so we've already kind of mentioned this but he is like a fucking drug addict like like a really rampant drug abuser um and in my opinion his drugs really already exacerbated a very much already sick mind right um and like I don't think that Jim Jones was ever not going to be Jim Jones, uh, given what his following was. I do think that the drugs accelerated the situation. Yeah. Um, Like, I definitely think at some point he would have tried this mass murder, mass suicide. Um, But I don't think it would have been as quick if without the drugs. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's also... Like, the the second part of what's happening while they're in California is, like, a shit ton of abuse. Um, so, he starts wanting to control and dominate every aspect of his followers' lives. So, he asks them to ton- turn over their home deeds, like, their bank accounts. They give away power of attorney. They even, like, sign documents that are just, like, blank signatures. And so, he can put whatever the fuck he wants at the top. Never ever sign documents, period. I don't. But if it's blank document, like just your signature on a blank piece of paper, like what? (laughs) No, that's red flag. Anyway, (laughs) anyway, there's also like 
he does this thing where he makes like parents sign like false confessions which say that they molested their children so that he can blackmail them and they can't leave the cult he also like pits family against other family members in the family like and starts to separate families so that they can't like see like a mom is not seeing their children or a mom and a a dad are not seeing each other or the siblings are separated or if like your whole family because there are lots of just like literally like whole families extended families Mm -hmm. aunts uncles dads like there were lots of like families like that in jonestown and in the cult um so you would be maybe you would see your nuclear family but you wouldn't see your extended family right um he also just started isolating people in general right then he made sure that they were sleep deprived and that they worked long hours like 18 hour days um and like all of these those last two in particular last three are meant to do to like exact control over his followers and it's what a lot of cult leaders do especially like that lack of sleep and that long work hours because i i don't know about y'all but whenever i've been overworked i can't think right i can't think straight i can't make decisions i'm just like putting my head down and going right like i that happens to me sometimes at our job now where i'm just like wow this is fucking too much work i have like 20 days worth of work and five days to do it i'm just gonna like put my head down and look up when it's done Mm. except for with these followers it was never done like the work was never done so there was never a moment where they could like like and take a look at their surroundings and see the situation that they were in because he he specifically made it so they couldn't um then there's like the physical and sexual abuse that were happening um so like i said he he sleeps with pretty much every woman in his inner circle he absolutely uh sleeps with like other members of his his congregation his cult i shouldn't say congregation his cult um and the only I, I don't even want to say positive i could say about this is that i found no evidence that he was sleeping with underage people like barely legal people but no underage people definitely groomed them up to the point where they were barely legal mm-hmm. so yeah, a little r kelly-esque um he also was like i guess like an equal opportunity predator in that he equal opportunity. i mean i don't know what else you would call it because he really he did he he didn't care what your gender was, what your sexual orientation was, <laughs> barely cared what your race was. Um, he really did not fuck with black women. And I'm like, mm, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Good. Um, and, you know, he used to say things like he was homosexual for the cause because he would tell them that they were sleeping. To- <laughs> Literal quote from this man. Literal quote homosexual for the cause because he would tell that he would say stuff like um we are i'm having sex with you so that you can further the cause or you can ascend and da, da, da. like really, it doesn't make sense at all really wild shit you know what i mean <laughs> like i i know that i'm not straight so like there's like obviously for me he would have to have done a lot more convincing um mm-hmm. but like 
to you know it's hard for me to wrap my head around this in general because i'm just yeah. like i don't know everyone stop right now and go look up a picture of jim jones because <laughs> nah honey <laughs> i was like uh-uh i was like he's not even the most attractive white man from that era what is happening what Have, go look at a picture of him right now i know i know what he looks like but that's what they said <laughs> no no he wasn't they didn't say that about him i'm oh. just saying like Nah, I, I'm I'm very shallow. No, <laughs> I'm very shallow. So that is also part of what is happening. I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around. I was like, giving it all up for an ugly ass man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm gonna check my bias, but that's where I'm coming from. Um, <laughs> so you know obviously he's abusing them but there's also like i want to talk about like this aspect of it um because i feel like mm, go there go there not going there okay so i feel like there's this really icky component and i'm not one to judge anyone's sexual practices but Jim Jones talks a lot about how he likes to be sexually dominant. Um, and he, he literally, there's a quote or that I think someone says that he says, it's like a hearsay quote, but like he said, I control your body as well as your mind. Right. Mm. Like he, he used se- like sex to dominate these people's bodies. Right. Oh, no, I think that was actually like verbatim. From yeah. The recording. Yeah. 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 So for me. I've always looked a little bit at men and particularly like white men who say shit like that. I, I even in my own community, in the queer community, anyone who identifies as a man in any capacity who says like, I'm, I'm sexually dominant. I'm like, ah! Ooh, you're, <laughs> Ooh, you're sexually dominant and interested in, mm, uh, uh-uh. I don't like it. I don't like where this is going. Um, <laughs> and I know you're laughing because you're thinking about that little man we, that we know who said that too. Um, oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because because to me, it's like it's another big red flag. And I'm not saying that like <sighs> dominant and submissive stuff is like inherently wrong. But I'm saying that like take sex out of it. Would you want a white man to say that he's dominant about anything? Mm. That his preference is dominance? Mm. Like, take take the sex out of it and, like, imagine a white man saying, like, my preference is to dominate you. It's not given what it's supposed to give. Like, at all. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. like, at all. <laughs> I'm, like, uh. I'm like, I don't, I don't like that. So, no, no. you know... I'm gonna call that one a red flag. Listeners, you do with that one what you want. You know, you evaluate your own sexual practices as you see fit. But like again, yeah. Not giving what's supposed to give. Kind of giving like ugh, you know? <laughs> like like mm. I don't know. So that's the sexual abuse, but you know, like any good cult member, he doesn't just stop there. He makes sure. <laughs> I know, I know. I I have to add in my jokes because it's such a heavy topic. It's, that, yeah, that, like, it's I, 
yeah, you would you would just be like two hours of y'all listening to me being like, and so that led to that person's death, and that led to that person's death, and he raped a bunch of people. Like, it would be a lot. So yeah, so he also physically abuses his uh, followers, right? Um, in a really weird way, like public beatings. You know, like it's it's strange, and I don't know. I'm trying to think if I've heard of another cult doing it as regularly or as often as he did. Like I've heard of some cults doing it to like make a point, you know, to make an example of someone and maybe beating someone that way. Um, but I've never really heard. Maybe outside of The Walking Dead with Negan. Negan does it often. I wonder if Negan is actually based on Jim Jones because he's a cult leader and he oh, he's got the little mustache. Like he might be actually. Um, but anyway, so he did these like if someone upset him, they would be brought to like, I don't know, the center of the room and like beaten by other followers like he wasn't even beating them he was just laughing maniacally in the fucking background because they have tapes of these beatings because he taped fucking everything like everything so like if you guys are interested in more learning more about like this crazy ass situation i highly recommend watching documentaries about it just because the documentaries allow you to see it because they videotaped so much shit um and they also like recorded it like audio wise so you can like hear from the actual people and you can actually see the people as they're talking um which is wild to me but so he basically uses these beatings as like public punishment but there also are other things that are happening so like i think the quote that one of the members of the cult were saying was like the punishment could be anything as like severe as the public beatings all the way to something as minor as like having to write thousands of lines like you know think bart simpson style like writing lines over and over again um so like anything and everything in between. So to me, I mean, I'm filling in the lines because that member is like kind of forcing me to fill in the lines. So I don't think that sexual dominance and sexual abuse and rape were not also a part of these punishments mm. by yeah. any means. Yeah. Um, you know, by any means. Yeah. Uh, especially because there are stories about like, cult members who defected during this time who ended up killing themselves um who ended up being like one of the men that i'm gonna just say raped because i'm pretty sure that this is a rape but um one of the men that he raped was like kind of like there was like this double standard where the inner circle could have sex with other people but other people were not allowed to have sex with anyone so like when these sexual encounters were like discovered and put on blast in front of everyone, the inner circle would not get in trouble, but the people that they had sex with would. Um, and so he's one of these people. And so like the entire cult kind of turns on him. Um, and it's just like, you can't be having sex. Da, da, da. And he also gets caught having sex with someone else. Um, and he ends up like homeless out on the streets and it kills himself like years later. Oh my god. Um so there's like 
I I just don't see that not being a part of it. Um, just, also, just like we never heard about kids. Like I wouldn't just because I never heard about any kids being involved in shit like this doesn't mean I don't. I wouldn't believe it if someone did present evidence of it later on because yeah, he like he said he wants to control and dominate every aspect of their lives, and I don't mm-hmm. think that that stops with children either, mm-hmm. right? Um, especially considering what he ends up doing to children later. Um, so he also starts the suicide talks. So he, he starts, he does like his first white night, which were these suicide drills that he would have his followers do. And he did a shit ton of them. Like, um, I didn't get an, I never got an exact number, which lets me know that they were happening too often to count. Um, but like, so he does the first one in California. And the reason why I mentioned that. He does them so often that you can't even keep count is that over time, these followers become desensitized to the idea that these are actual real, like real things could happen from these drills. Mm-hmm. Right. So I guarantee on the day of the actual murder, some of those people didn't realize that they were actually about to die. Yeah. Um, because they had they had done they had done the routine. They had gone to the vet. They had gotten the Kool-Aid, not Kool-Aid, by the way sorry i keep saying it um but they had gone and gotten the drink and um done some and drank it and nothing happened right um so like you know there's some i don't i don't know if everyone believed it i do know though for me at this point is when I, I definitely know he's 100% a cult leader when this first suicide talk gets mentioned because imagine someone tricks you because the first time it happens, he basically tricked them and then said, by the way, guys, you guys just drank poison. And then later on, he was like, just kidding, psych. And imagine staying. Right? <sighs> yeah. Like you have to be very much like deeply like your brain is not working the way that our brains are supposed to work you know Mm -hmm. you've been mind controlled you've been brainwashed like you you've literally drunk the kool-aid at that point right Mm -hmm. um so i like the only thing that that first one tells me is that really is that like those people the people that stayed after that like they absolutely were in it to win it or in yeah. it to lose it at that point, I guess. Yeah. Um. You know, and I, I feel very little sympathy for his OG wife, but I do feel like the tiniest little bit of twings of sympathy for her, um, because this is the time where he picks up his first mistress, that Carolyn Layton lady, mm. um, and she is that last name Layton should also her husband like plays a role in or her ex-husband i guess yeah i guess they did get divorced but her mm-hmm. husband plays a role on the the airstrip so remember his name larry layton and carolyn layton um carolyn layton is i don't think from indiana um but i actually don't remember but she's like very much and i feel like from the sources that I've listened to and heard, like the women were not necessarily like Jim in that they weren't, they really did believe 
in what they were saying. So they did believe in pro-integration and, mm-hmm. you know, again, peak white feminists. <laughs> because they they did they knew what was right for wrong and they were trying to fight for it but they were just like shit in the bed all over the place right because <laughs> whoa um and so like she jumps on board and really is like wanting to be a part of the movement uh, eventually like jones and her get together she gets divorced from her husband um she eventually ends up like knocked up by joan she has his baby um you know so there is there's like a part of me that does feel a little sad for the wife because it was something that her son said um and i take her son with a huge grain of salt because he just really blames his dad and he doesn't want to cast the blame anywhere else and that's just like not possible um Uh given what happened and how it happened Uh but like he was like he said something like i really hope that women today know that you can just pick up your kids and leave because i don't think my mom knew that you know like i don't think my mom understood that she could just have left that she should have just left and that it doesn't matter if we loved our dad that we were going to be okay and she should have left Mm. Uh, which really makes me think of her, his mom a little bit as like a domestic violence um yeah victim yeah um and from what you know what i hear about her actual death there's like a couple conflicting stories but one of the stories is that like she was at well no actually this part is not ever debated that she was actively like let's not kill ourselves like let's not do this right mm. um and then the only reason why she ends up killing herself is after all the babies are killed you know like all the kids are and she's just like what the fuck why not you know um because her grandkids were killed um her children even so like you know there's part of me that's like fuck that bitch because like fuck that bitch Mm -hmm. um because like if stand by your man was a person that would be her like yeah. she stands by him through mistresses she and other things that I'm about to tell you that pops off in California um she does not deviate from the plan you know mm. like she does not leave him she makes no attempts to leave him um there's a time where before she like he goes to Guyana before her mm. um and doesn't have all of the kids so she literally could have stayed in California and saved herself and some of her kids you know um but she follows him so to me i'm just like you know i'm torn because part of me absolutely is on board with the idea that she's a domestic violence uh victim Mm -hmm. but i also don't feel like that absolves her from her role in what happened as well right right um and it's like it's hard out here because like she was with him the longest, you know? She yeah. was the one who bought into those delusions for the longest. Mm. Um, she was being mind-controlled for the longest. Like, even think mm. back to, like, what white woman in the 1960s wants to adopt a black child? <laughs> like, yes, I'm sure that she was that white woman because she believed in the cause and stuff like that. But, like, was that her idea? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Who knows? But I'm just like, mm. like from a very long for the longest time she was also buying into his shit yeah. um 
so I I'm going to kind of switch gears. So I talked a little bit already about the fact that people left. Um, and some people were kicked out. Some people, like very little people were kicked out because he, you know, wanted to keep control over everybody. But, and other people just like straight up left. So, right, uh, maybe a couple years, maybe a year or so before he goes to Jonetown, and I should say flees to Jonetown, really. Um, like this lady, Teresa Cobb, and her brother, Jim Cobb, and I think it's like eight or nine other members um, defect. Um, actually, no, there's only eight of them. So there's like, they're called the eight revolutionaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they write this long, long, um, letter and I'll write, I'll put it on our website, um, about reasons why they are leaving and why they think that, um, Jonestown or not Jonestown, but the t- people's temple is like not where it's at. Right. They're just like, there are a couple of complaints. There's a shit ton of complaints, but I think what's interesting about the the letter is one, they make sure not to not to poke the bear in a lot of ways. Like so, they are talking about how Jim Jones is fucked up, but the mm-hmm. way that they spin it, it seems like they're blaming it on other members and not Jim Jones himself. Oh. Um, and so I there's part of me that wonders if like that was an intentional spin or is that still them like trying them not quite have shaken off like their their mind control or not their even their mind control, but they're like training after being in that cult for so long. Um mm-hmm. because the Cobbs are a family from fucking Indianapolis, like from his first church, right? Um so they've been with him for decades at this point. Um, so only the siblings leave. The rest of the family stays, um, which is really like disheartening, I think, and, like a whole family. Um, and so people who defected were often threatened with death. Um, sometimes they were bamboozled or kind of forced to leave their children behind. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that's when I say that like Jim Jones stole children. Um, so, like, one of the children that he stole is, let me see. So, this guy named, well, this child named John Victor Stowen. Um, mm-hmm. So, both of his parents were in the uh, in the cult. The mom, I believe, leaves first or second. Actually, it doesn't really matter. But both of the parents end up leaving. Um and they want to bring their son, but Jim Jones won't allow it. Um, and that son actually ends up going to Jonestown, um, even though they're they're fighting for custody of their own son. But here here's the hitch. Like, it is absolutely Grace's son, but who the fuck knows if Jim Jones is the dad or not? Like, he claims. Because she's sleeping with her husband and Jim Jones at the same time. So it is entirely possible that that was another one of Jim Jones's kids that he did not steal. But who knows, right? Like, Mm. it's also equally possible that that is that husband's baby. Mm. Um, And then he also has, like I said, he has that baby with Carolyn, right? Mm. Um, And then... Yeah, I mean, those are pretty much the only children he outright, like, just has on him kind of thing. Um, I mean, listen, he he calls himself 
father whatever he pretends that he is in charge of like all of them so mm-hmm. to me like he, he's one of those creepy cult members who thinks that you know i don't know how they don't think that's incestuous like if you're everybody's father how you fucking everybody too <laughs> but okay um so what the straw that breaks the camel's back are like these like mountain press mounting pressures like so the defectors have left they sent that letter to jim jones that letter is also i think been published um other defectors have gone to news agencies um talking about like what happened right um what was going on in the the actual temple while they were in California. And so this article comes out and this article is like, woo, like it's like an article that's basically like, here's all the ways that Jim Jones is abusing his followers. Boom. So basically Jim Jones was about to be like outed in San Francisco, not as this great Messiah who was doing so much for the community, but as like this ridiculously evil cult leader. Mm. So he um, he decides to move the the church down to Guyana, um, which is like, whoo! I love telling our Guyanese kids about Jim Jones. Yeah, especially the racist ones, because I'm like, mm, so your only claim to fame is Jim Jones. Say less. <laughs> <laughs> um. But, like, he really made, he made his followers feel unsafe. So, like, even though this letter had been published, um, he had painted those defectors as traitors and, like, they didn't know what they were talking about and yada, yada, yada. Again, I don't know quite how this works considering that, you know, if anyone should know whether the defectors are lying or not, it should be the people that are still there. But Mm. I'm, I'm, I don't know. Human psychology is a mystery to me sometimes. Um, He also creates, like, a lot of racial tension and a lot of racial fear. And says, like, this is what really, like, there are lots of things that really upset me about this story. But, like, what really fucking upsets me about this story is, like, how he tries to paint, like, his idea of Jonestown as this, like, paradise and, like, racial mecca where there will be no... um, there will be no discrimination or racism brought towards like black people uh, and and that like the u.s which is like so much worse yada 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 so he's uh-huh. like let's go to guyana it's socialist it's got a black president and it and everybody speaks english so you don't have to learn a new language right uh-huh. um And I could see already, based on how his followers are, how this could be a draw. Mm. Um, Like, it it makes sense, given what's already happened in this story. But, like, damn, I want to reach back in time and and shake the ancestors. Like, no. Like, no, this doesn't make sense. Like, it really just, like, does not make sense. Um, So, Jonestown is described as untouchable so it takes 35 fucking hours to get to jonestown from california so they have to go on a, a, like a almost like a 24-hour flight they have to take a boat for another like nine hours and then they have to ride on a truck bed for like two hours 
Mm. Or something like that. I don't think my I feel like my math is off, but something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um English teacher, not math teacher. Whatever. <laughs> but it, it takes them like a shit ton of time to get to Jonestown. And that might not like be a red flag for y'all, but it should be because that means those people are isolated as fuck. Imagine mm-hmm. if you can't leave. Like if you need to take a boat and a um and a like flatbed truck just to get to somewhere that would potentially send you back to the US. Like you're stuck. You're stuck in this tiny little like makeshift commune. Um, So Jonestown is literally in the middle of nowhere. So the the followers and the cult members really just have to like clear everything, build huts, build what's called the pavilion, which will definitely come back later in this story um and they like they start farms and all this other stuff only 50 people originally go um the moment that his followers arrived in jonestown whether they were the 50 original people or people who showed up later because eventually 918 people make it down to guyana actually more than that over a thousand people make it over mm-hmm. to Guyana. Um, so, like, the moment that you got there, he took away your passport. Um, so there was almost like maybe, maybe you escape from, maybe you escape from him, and you escape from Jonestown. But like, he was making it incredibly fucking difficult for you to ever make it back to the United States to ever make it back to anywhere where you could tell your goddamn story. Yeah. Um, so, you know, obviously if he was abusing these followers in California, being in this remote location like this, it's gonna ramp the fuck up. And it does. Right. Um, also, by the time that he gets to Guyana, he is completely and utterly addicted to phenobarbital. Um, so he's like out of his mind, drugged up all the time. Mm. Like all of his waking moments, he's drugged up. In fact, he actually has a nurse. Um, she's wild that this lady literally is a nurse, like a certified, graduated from nurse, whatever. Um, like, make him his drug cocktails so she would give him uppers and downers throughout the day to keep him even killed oh my god yeah yeah um her name is annie moore again remember i told you about those three women in the inner circle carolyn layton annie moore and maria katsaris they're mm. they're they're about to come back and to importance in this story so like like i said this man is drugged out of his fucking mind who do you think is making the decisions then? Somebody really close to him. Yeah. It's always around him. Yeah, those three women, right? At this point, his wife, I would not at all consider to be in the inner circle. He has made it known to his followers that he does not have any sort of like relationship with her. In fact, her hut is all the way across the, the town. As far away from him as possible, right? And in his hut, and mind you, he's the only one, one of, I think besides his wife, one of the few people that actually have huts. Like, only the inner circle have huts and cabins. The rest of them, good luck. 
right? Um, or they have them, but they have to share them with a shit ton of people, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, like when you look at Jonestown, when you look at pictures early, there's not enough people. There's not enough space to house yeah. over a thousand people. Like, yeah, definitely people are just sleeping in the pavilion. People are just sleeping outside. Yada yada yada. But in his little cabin, he's got um, the stolen boy. So John Victor, he's got his son, um, his son with Carolyn there. He's got Carolyn, Annie, Maria is also there. Um, and it's like a fucking harem, dude. Yeah. Like, I don't know how else I would describe that, but that's, mm, he is definitely having sex with all three of them at the time. Um, and I think that all of them do not have partners, other partners. Mm. so yes it's like it's pretty much a harem and then they were all like kind of co-parenting the children the younger children Mm. and then the two boys were were raised like brothers Mm. um so you know i say all that so that when we talk about the neck the rest of the events of jonestown and especially of that final day that everyone who's listening understands that like Jim Jones is a monster but he is not a monster that worked alone Mm. he worked with other monsters and Mm. so very much villains to me in this story for sure for sure are Carolyn Layton, Annie Moore and Maria Casares but let me talk about how people were abused before I tell you why these people are absolutely villains. So he obviously keeps up his threats of blackmail, right? Continues to have people sign shit, da-da-da. Uh, people are beaten. People who want to escape or leave are threatened with, like, crossbows and guns. Their guards that are in Jonestown are, like, kind of, like, walking around with, um, with, like, machetes and, like, rifles and things like that so people did not think they could leave whatsoever um they do the repeated rehearsals of the ritual suicide like the white knights like over and over and over they are completely isolated from the outside world they are not hearing anything but jim jones's voice jim jones is up 24 hours a day because of the drugs and for 24 hours Every fucking day, he is on the loudspeaker so that these people constantly just hear him rambling on with his drug-filled, like, adlings, right? Which is, who like, one of the ladies who ends up escaping um, talks about it. She was just like, I was so sick of fucking hearing this voice. I feel like that would yeah. be my literal nightmare. Pack if yeah. I was if I was stuck somewhere that I could not escape and I had to listen to a ramblings of a, of a white man on a loudspeaker for 24 hours um, a day, man, I'm I'm not exaggerating when I say that my mental health would be like in the in the toilet because like I don't yeah. know if I, I I I legitimately don't know if I could handle hearing some egotistical white man talk to himself for 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. and never getting a break because they mm-hmm. they didn't have they didn't have music they didn't have uh books they didn't have shit to do they didn't have shit to do uh. except for to work um and they and the people that escape describe the the living conditions and the situations and the work like plantation work and being in a concentration camp mm-hmm. because 
what happened demographically wise besides what we're talking about racially but like in terms of like age wise two-thirds of the people that ended up at jonestown could not help um farm right because you've got you're extremely young and you're extremely elderly so you only have the people in the middle who could who could work to produce that much food like feeding a thousand people off a farm seems like oh no brainer like fucking big brain like because that's like that's really difficult to do like to feed a thousand people off a farm that you've planned that you cultivated what happens when inevitably a crop goes bad yeah you know like so these people were starving they did not have enough food right they were working constantly um they were constantly being threatened right they constantly were being um told that no one was going to protect them that people from the outside these phantom people were going to come in and kill them and kill their children and that they couldn't go back to the U.S. because it was just so bad for Black people and that you you wouldn't be able to survive there, right? Um, they're also isolated even more from their family. They can't even eat meals with their family. They can't speak to their family. They can't look or communicate with anyone, right? Um, this situation is a powder keg in every sense of the word, right? Like these people... Even if they wanted to resist, a lot of them would not have mentally been able to. Mm. Um, the punishments for people that defected, so even if you wanted to, maybe, and you and you had the mental fortitude to do it, um, watching what happened to other people might convince you, fuck that, I can't do that, right? Yeah. Because those people ended up getting drugged, they got isolated, they got put on, like, chain gangs basically um and they were forced to work even longer hours um obviously beaten you know like Mm. publicly as well um so there's just like there's so many things working against these followers to like not want to go um and i think what's interesting so this lady rebecca moore who is related to carolyn layton and annie moore i don't know if i've mentioned it but like carolyn layton and annie moore are actually sisters um Mm. so this is the third sister like the middle sister um and she talks about it she's like people don't often think about how toxic the followers are to the leader like the leader is obviously like toxic to the followers and anyone can see that but the followers just kind of like reinforce the delusions for that leader right and they like they kind of like make that leader start to believe their own grandeur and they enable him in a lot of ways especially if we're talking about this inner circle right because as jones is starting to slip away you know and his wife his actual wife is talking about um wanting to uh, get him help and send him to rehab and his his son Steven is like bitch are you nuts like, <laughs> like he's not gonna do that you can't he says and I quote you can't you can't go to a god about and tell him he has drug issues right damn yeah so it's so as like he's like spiraling out of control and yada 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 and you know Part of them is obviously believing him. Hmm. Um, 
but part of them are making decisions themselves. So it is, it was common knowledge, even back in California, that these three women had a pull over him. Like, so say he, he, you know, decided he wanted to do something buck wild, right? They would, if they did not agree with it, they were able to sway him to do something that was probably still buck wild, but more what they wanted to do, right? Um, And the final days of Jonestown are no different. So what actually happens is that Carolyn and Annie start to like figure out or not even figure out, start to plan how everyone's going to die. Way to end an episode, right? So I know that was such a cliffhanger. So if you want to listen to the rest of the story, please come back next week. Follow us on social media like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at underscore soul and soul. That is underscore S-O-U-L-A-N-D-S-E-O-U-L. And also subscribe to us on any of your favorite podcast apps. Bye-bye.